When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This is the art of charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. Today we're talking with Teresa de Grabois. She's a speaker, thought leader, and not in that cheesy way. Look, we're talking about influence. We're talking about word of mouth. We're going to talk about the simple habits you can build to become someone who can create meaningful change and support others in doing the same otherwise known as influence. We're gonna talk about how influencers think, the habits they follow, including the kind of unspoken rule book that they play by, top mistakes to avoid when dealing with influential people, some of which you've heard on the show before, some of which you have not, and of course, key things you need to know to get past gatekeepers in meeting influencers. And with that, welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best thought leaders, influencers, if you will, teachers and exceptional individuals to teach you how to be a top performer in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise, packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a curriculum. We may not have all the answers, but we definitely have all the questions. Make sure to stay up to date with The Art of Charm and get some great stuff that we don't or can't share on the show by signing up at theartofcharm.com. That's where we'll email you our fundamentals toolkit that covers topics like body language, nonverbal communication, persuasion, influence, business networking, public speaking, negotiation, and a whole lot more. I'm also doing regular videos with drills and exercises to help you move forward every single week. We've also got our live programs running here in California. If you're interested in that, email me, jordan at theartofcharm.com. I also want to encourage you to join our social capital challenge at theartofcharm.com slash challenge or text charmed to 33444. That's charmed to 33444. It's all about networking and connection skills for that matter, developing and inspiring those around you to create personal and professional relationships with you. It will make you a better networker. It will make you a better connector. If you want to have accountability, invite your friends too. That's theartofcharm.com slash challenge or text charmed to 33444 and they can join the challenge too. All right, here's Teresa. Tell us what you do in one sentence. I'm an influence expert, and I teach people how to create word-of-mouth epidemics. And influence is kind of a wide topic, as you probably have noticed. There's a lot of people talking about influencers and being influential. What is influence, let's say, as opposed to persuasion? Well, you know, I really deal in the realm of mass influence, right? So, you know, influence is the ability to get other people to follow your lead in a one-on-one basis, as soon as we're talking about a one-to-many basis, then we're talking about mass influence. 
And so what we're talking about is mass influence on this show, because that's an interesting distinction. So I can influence like my significant other to eat more healthy, or more likely she'll influence me to eat more healthy. But what we're talking about today is presenting to mass numbers of people and getting them to either follow you on anything from follow you on Twitter to join your religious persuasion or whatever the heck, <laughs> yeah, you know, you got we got. Okay, interesting. And how did you become an expert in this? Because a lot of people I feel like are kind of like, yeah, it's, it's almost like a buzzword type deal. Oh, influence this, thought leader that. You know, it's interesting. You know, some people are kind of born hardware, knowing what they're meant to do. I kind of just became good at it. And uh, when I first started setting up a business, I actually did the, and now for something completely different, set up a charity, started writing kids' books to raise money for the charity. But when I put all three kids' books on the bestseller list, I suddenly had people coming at me in droves saying, three bestsellers in eight months, how did you do that? (laughs) And I ended up coaching and mentoring all these people and how they build influence around what they're doing. Until one day, you know, my best friend was sitting with me and saying, honey, you know, when you've got a flood of something coming at you, maybe that's what you should be doing. So I ended up switching overnight. So you decided, wait a minute, I'm really good at this influence thing and teaching other people how to be influential and to exert mass influence. Maybe I should be doing this. But why is it important to you other than that you were good at it? You know, influence is, it's our ability to create change in the world, right? So, you know, as someone who would leave behind a better world to our children, you know, for me, influence is the possibility of a different world, right? A better world, a more transformed world. So I love working with other emerging thought leaders, helping them understand how do you create mass movements? How do you create shift in the conversation or the thinking of the planet? Because that's the world I want my grandkids to grow up in. So this is sort of a deeper mission involved here. And we talked pre-show, and it looks like there's studies that show, look, this is the kind of skill set you need for success. Can you elaborate on that? Because I think a lot of people are like, I'm an introvert. I don't need to be influential. That's something that thought leaders need to do. I don't need that. Yeah, well, we all need influence, right? Influence is your ability to create change. It's your ability to have success in business. It's even your ability to get your kids to stop texting during dinner, right? So anytime people know, like, and trust you, you have influence. So, you know, the distinction, though, is mass influence happens when a lot of people know, like, and trust you. The real scary thing about this is, you know, research does show the only people that tend to not have a lot of self-doubt or self-limiting beliefs that would stop them from becoming influential tend to be sociopaths. Right. So when good people, everyday heroes and leaders don't step into learning their own influence, what's at stake is we risk living in a world run by the very leaders that we fear. Oh, wow. So basically become influential, because if you don't, Charles Manson's going to instead. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Right. There's a Star Wars analogy here. Jason, this is your area. We need the light side of the force <laughs> to balance the dark side, right? Put me on the spot with the force. Sure. Yeah. No big deal. That's how, that's how I roll. Look, Jason, you got to be on point with the Star Wars stuff. <laughs> Come over to the light side. Come Luke. to the, the light side. That's right. <laughs> I am your father. The key here for me is realizing that influence is something that everybody needs because I hadn't really thought about it until the last few years looking at work similar to yours. 
because it didn't seem important and it seemed like something that we could relegate to people who wanted to be leaders, but it seems like that's not really a good idea because the people who are more likely to take that don't necessarily have everybody else's best interest in mind at all. Yeah, and really, you know, when you think about it, influence is your own ability to live your own dreams, right? You know, the biggest challenge most of us have is as human beings, we have a lot of inner dialogue that would stop us from becoming influential. You know, everybody's writing about self-limiting beliefs these days, but your self-doubt, your self-limiting beliefs will never come up more than when you're talking about stepping into influence or playing a bigger game or following your dreams in life, right? Because your dreams are bigger to you than they are to anyone else on the planet because they're your dreams, right? And so your self-doubt, your negative self-talk is going to be blaring at you So the reality is the average person has a lot of personal barrier to stepping into influence and actually living the life that you really want to live. Make the connection for me that influence helps you live the life you want to live. Because yes, it helps us create change, but how does that sort of take that jump? Help me make the leap from, yeah, it helps me create change, but I'm just a college student right now. I don't need this right now. I'm just a newbie in this company. I'm at the bottom of the totem pole. Why do I need this? How is this going to help me get ahead? Well, you know, it it doesn't matter what you want to do. You all want something that requires influence, right? So even if you're at the bottom of the totem pole in your organization, if you want to be seen and heard, you know, be able to put ideas forward and move up the corporate ladder, I mean, maybe you don't, you know, maybe your ambitions uh, only extend as far as sweeping the floors at night. But many people, your ambition is to actually create more in your life, to push yourself harder, to go higher, find better opportunities for yourself. All of those require influence. And the minute you start thinking that way, your negative self-talk is going to come up. Consider that if you don't have a lot of ambition in life, that's probably a self-limiting belief you created when you were a child something like nobody's going to listen to me anyway, or I'm not important, or I don't matter, and I should just sit back in this other job. It may not be truly your heart's desire. So really take a look at that. I think that's true. Even if you have what you might label as sort of limited ambition, I think everybody has more ambition than they probably think. And if you aren't developing this skill set and you're not cultivating it, it could definitely be limiting. And you're right, I think the negative self-talk does pop out. How do influencers or thought leaders think, what kind of habits do they have that's different than what the quote-unquote normal folk might have on deck that allow them to develop and constantly hone and grow their influence? Do they have a rule book, a playbook that the rest of us just haven't quite seen? Yeah, there are key habits that define high influence, right? And the first habit is no surprise. It's authenticity, right? And there's a lot of different definitions of authenticity out there. Here's mine. Authenticity is your inside voice saying the same thing as your outside voice. Oh, I like it. Yeah. In other words, you know, what you're thinking and what you're saying and doing are in alignment. So really think about that. If you're working in a job you hate or you're working with people you don't admire or you're trying to sell a product you don't believe in, those are all recipes for disaster career-wise because your thoughts are going to be, shoot me now, I don't want to go to work today. And you're going to be outwardly saying, you should buy this product, right? right? And, you know, there's a technical term we all know for when we've got that misalignment, when our thoughts don't agree with what's coming out of our mouths, we all call it schmarmy. Yeah. (laughs) You know, really think about what you're choosing to do in life 
it makes sense to follow your passion and follow your dreams from a success standpoint, because that's where you'll be most authentic. And trust me, people can spot that disconnect a mile away. You know, you can spot it in other people. Guess what? They can spot it in you. They spot that through incongruency in body language or just observing your baseline for a long period of time and seeing that you're full of it or having you say as much. If you're really close with them, people will say things like, I just can't look at this crap anymore. I can't sell Symantec antivirus software to corporations anymore. It doesn't do anything. Yeah. First of all, or their thought process could be authenticity. What else, though? Because I know plenty of people who are authentic that maybe, I don't know if they're influential, though. Yeah, so that's a really good point. Because, you know, the second biggest habit that you would see is we all kind of know it, but most people aren't doing it, right? You know, you can't make yourself influential is really the basic principle, right? When you watch influential people, you know, they need other influential people to talk about them in a positive way. That's where they gain their influence from, right? So influential people, if you notice how they operate, they're constantly endorsing and praising each other. They do it in an authentic way. They only do it with people that it's true for. But they're in the routine habit of gifting influence to other people by endorsing, praising, nominating them for awards, whatever it might be. Because just like if you want to get respect, you've got to give respect. If you want to get influence, you've got to give influence. And so we do that simply by sharing it among other influencers? Is that what you're saying? There's hundreds of things you can do. You can shout people out on your social media, send people to their workshops, or if they're speaking in public, you can offer to nominate someone influential for an award. Really, the sky's the limit, right? Often, even as simple as connecting someone influential to another connection that might really be able to help them and really bigging them up to that person can be one of the nicest things you can do to give influence to another person. I agree with that. We definitely teach the introduction method, if you can call it that, to you know, constantly be poking your network to see how you can help other people in your network by making those introductions. Some of that, though, just to play the uh, devil's advocate, as much as I hate that cliche, some of it sounds a little butt-kissy. I mean, do I really need to be like, oh, I really loved doing this on and shout that out on Twitter, or like, I want to make sure this person wins something. I mean, sometimes it can be nice, but isn't that a little inauthentic to be trying to cultivate influence by doing some of those things, or do we have to do it in a way that keeps our integrity intact? Well, and that's a really great point, right? Is it authentic for you to do that? That's the first question you should always ask, right? So if you're just doing it in order to get something, the minute there's an in order to, then it is butt kissy and it's not going to work. It's inauthentic, right? So you got to get really intentional about how you work and who you play with. I probably get 50 invitations to be on a webinar, a telesummit, or an interview every week, right? Because, you know, once your book's a bestseller in seven countries, things start flooding in. You know, I'm really intentional about who I say yes to. Because I wouldn't come on someone's show if I couldn't authentically post it on my Facebook and say, wow, Jordan and Jason, these guys are freaking awesome. I won't go on your show if I can't say that. But I love what you guys teach. I love what you're up to in the world. I agree with the philosophy and principles you teach, so it's not a big deal. In fact, it's a lot of fun to come on your show because I know what you're doing is of a lot of service to other people, right? So really look at who you're working with in business because the minute you're doing it with an in order to, and that's your primary motivation as opposed to, wow, I really like this guy or I really like these people, I'd be happy to recommend them and help them, and I'm not scorekeeping 
As soon as there's scorekeeping involved and you're thinking, I'll do this for you if you do that for me, then the inauthenticity comes front and center and it is butt kissy and it doesn't land well. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash charm. Just go to Indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's funny. We actually use the same term, scorekeeping, in Social Capital, which is our networking relationship development course online, because that's one of the primary mistakes. In fact, we can talk about mistakes in a second, but why not start with this? Keeping score is always, whenever you get a whiff of that, it just... I don't know about you, Teresa, instantly, I just don't want to do anything with that person because I know that the second I even allow them to do me a favor, 
I'm not really allowing them to do me a favor. I'm signing up to do something that I don't necessarily want to do that they haven't asked me to do yet. A lot of this comes down to you'll notice highly influential people have great boundaries. You know, they've got no problem saying no, no problem saying yes, because they're really clear who they are in the world and what they stand for and who they're willing to play with. How do we set those boundaries? Can you give us an example of that and also how we set it? Because it can be really difficult. Sure, I can imagine saying right now, yeah, I've got these, I've set these boundaries. And then somebody who you consider a friend is like, hey, will you do this? And you're like, son of a bitch, I don't want to do that. But I don't know how to bring this up without screwing with the friendship or backing yourself into that corner in the first place, dealing with people that are new. Yeah, well, a lot of it comes down to like, what do you make things mean? For example, referral marketing which, you know, tends to do with lead generation on a one-on-one basis is almost like a totally different sport than the mass influence game, which is a more one-to-many conversation, right? And so there's a lot of rules and etiquette around referral marketing. Like, for example, you all learned when you first learned networking uh, that it's a good idea to offer to buy a colleague you just met a coffee, right? But phone up the CEO of a Fortune 500 company and offer to buy them a coffee and faster than you can say restraining order, <laughs> you'll learn that, you know, the rules of etiquette with networking are very different with the highly influential, right? You know, the reality is as you step into greater and greater influence, I have some months I get three to 400 invitations to coffee. That's a lot of caffeine. No kidding. You can't physically drink that much coffee without putting yourself in hospital let alone I would have zero time left on my calendar. Like, because a coffee date is like a, a minimum of an hour and a half commitment. And that's if you drive there, show up for 45 minutes and speed home. You know, when you look at highly influential people, they tend not to want to go for coffee with people because they get so many requests. And they're very clear on their boundaries, but they've had to learn to be okay with that. Because a lot of times people will throw a, who do you think you are? How arrogant are you kind of energy at you, right? You know, the reality is I don't have to step into someone else's judgment of me that I'm a bad person just because I don't want to go for coffee with them, right? I can help them in other ways. And the reality is when people throw a lot of drama at me because I'm a no to going for coffee, in my mind, I'm just like, okay, good. You play a different sport than me. I'm playing hockey. You're playing badminton. When you become a hockey player, we'll talk. You're so Canadian right now. I know. I love hockey analogies. You can tell I'm Canadian. <laughs> and, and those are the last two sports any American would ever pick. Like badminton is not even on the top 20 probably. It's so funny. <laughs> but it's totally true. And it took me personally a really long time to get over that because I would say yes to everything. And it became a painful process. And it became really difficult because somebody would say, hey, I, I would love to take you out for coffee and pick your brain. And at first it was really flattering. And then it became overwhelming. And now it's a little bit of a flag that that person is not used to dealing with people who are busy. Well, in fact, I would say that's a big mistake that people do when they're dealing with the highly influential. I would affectionately call that a premature ask. You know, and people always laugh and say, a premature what? <laughs> it's like when you meet the new neighbor, let's say you've moved into a new place. And, you know, the first thing the neighbor does is come by and say, wow, I love that stereo. I saw you carrying up the walk. I can't wait to borrow that. You know, or do people even have stereos anymore? I'm aging myself here. <laughs> The reality is you'd be rolling your eyes up in your head, right? But when you ask someone influential for a coffee, what lands over there with the influential person is you want an hour of free coaching for the price of a $5 latte. You know, it's a lot like asking to borrow the keys to the car. 
it's not a good way to build relationship with influential people. Now, if you're a student, you might be able to get away with it because most people have a soft spot in their heart for someone who's just graduating and most people will clear an hour on their calendar. But it's not a habit that you can keep going and get anywhere with. It's almost like announcing that you're playing a totally different sport than the influencers and you have no idea of the rule book of the sport they play. And so you won't be taken seriously by anyone influential if that's what you're doing. Yeah, I see that. And I wanna give people an alternative strategy as well because it does seem a little harsh and pretty harmless. I also get my fair share of coffee invitations or whatever, especially in LinkedIn for some reason. It's like designed for bad networking somehow. But, you know, people will, they'll get a little bit offended if you say, yeah, I really, I can't do that. I appreciate the gesture. No matter how nice you are with it, I feel like there's a certain percentage of people who will get offended. And that just shows me and should show everybody in that position that you made the right decision not meeting with them if they're going to throw a tantrum the second they don't get what they want, even when what they want is unreasonable, which it is in this case. But what can we do if, say, we need to reach out and maybe we are a student or maybe we are at the bottom of the totem pole because I think something that would help for me and I could be wrong here so feel free to jump in and correct me if the agenda is really clear and it's clearly something where you're a student you happen to be in my area it seems like it's going to fit into my schedule etc etc I still might not be able to do it but I will at least consider it if it's like I would like to talk to you about this really detailed thing that I can't find online just by Googling. There's not a book about it, it's very specific, and also it will help me do the following things. There are a few things worse than just like, let's meet up and get to know each other from a cold intro. That's just almost guaranteed a waste of time. But if somebody really needs something very specific, it can only come from me, it's not available anywhere else, and they already know what it is, that's so different for me because it seems like they've actually made the effort as much as they can, even if they don't have quote unquote value to offer in return. Yeah, intentionality is so important, right? Like it's funny because there's a lot of like beliefs we have about dealing with the influential that are polar opposite to the reality. Like for example, if you're asking someone influential to endorse you or endorse your book, you know, most people have this belief system of, oh, I shouldn't dare write my own endorsement. You know, if you're asking for a letter of reference, I wouldn't dare write the letter and ask them to sign it, right? Influential people are freaking busy. They do not want to have to sit down and pen a letter or pen an endorsement. Now, it doesn't mean that you tell them they have to say those words, right? But you can say, here's an example of what I'm looking for, or here's some bullet points that might help you write it. That takes what would be a 10-minute task down to a one-minute task. Trust me, they'll thank you for it. So it's interesting because you can tell people who get the etiquette of dealing with the highly influential because those who don't tend to blunder a lot when they're first attempting. Yeah, that was one of the very few things I learned in law school that I can probably apply directly today. I remember asking for letters of recommendation and the professor saying, look, I'm not supposed to do this, but just write it for me and send it to me. I'll make a couple edits and then that'll work. But, you know, obviously it'll be from me, right? And it was kind of like wink, wink. And I, at first I was like, oh my gosh, Professor Ratner's having me write my own letter of recommendation. That's so ridiculous. And now I'm like, oh my God, he probably has 58 people asking him for these. Imagine it would take his whole week to write all of these every single semester. There's no way that there's any ROI in this for him at all. So it makes perfect sense. You just write something really generic. He reads it and goes, cool, it's not too much hyperbole, signature, envelope, done. Yeah, exactly. 
What other mistakes do people commonly make? We've definitely talked about the coffee thing before. You know, we suggest services like Clarity, where experts can actually choose an hourly rate. And this is what I do. I've got an hourly rate. It's billed by a third party. It gets rid of 98% of the, more of the requests that people write in because very rare are they willing to put their money where their mouth is. And the rest of it can be answered on Fan Mail Friday if it's really small, things like that. But what other mistakes do you see people making when they reach out to influencers that might even seem normal, like the letter of recommendation or the endorsement thing? That's a little counterintuitive. What else do you have? Well, you know, another form of premature ask that a lot of people don't even think about, you see this one at networking events all the time, right? Usually the most influential person at a networking event will be the host or the guest of honor and or the speaker on stage. You know, the speaker will walk off stage and there'll be a lineup of people waiting there to meet them. And half of them will have a book or a CD or a product sample in hand wanting to give their book or their product to the speaker. When you think about it, like offering an influential person a product sample or your book is a lot like going to the new neighbor that you just met and saying, you are going to love my kids. You're so going to enjoy babysitting them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's another form of premature ask, right? And, you know, it might be true you have awesome kids. It might be true your book is great or your product is awesome and they would enjoy using it. But really, there's this unspoken in order to, right? The unspoken in order to is is in order to get your endorsement or your support. I'm giving you this thing. And so it is a form of premature ask. And let me give people an alternative here, right? Because, okay, now we know what not to do. Here's what to do. Just like if you want to get respect, you got to give respect. If you want to get influence, you want to give influence. And we alluded to this earlier. If you're meeting a speaker at a networking event, the first words out of your mouth should be, I loved everything you were teaching or speaking about there. And it might be something like, I heard you saying you were going to go to Chicago. I have LinkedIn connections in Chicago. Can I shout your event out there to them? Can I interview you on my show? Could I connect with you or connect you with someone else influential? Could I repost your content to my blog? All of those would be appropriate offers to say to someone influential. And that would be like the equivalent of taking the new neighbor, an apple pie or a lasagna. You want to bring something in hand in order to kickstart the relationship. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. There's some sort of value given beforehand. Again, not just to get something, but something that shows, look, I'm willing to sort of put my money where my mouth is, or I'm willing to, to help you, again, without scorekeeping, versus just trying to frame something into a favor that really isn't, like the free product, the free giveaway, et cetera. 
Yeah. And, you know, one of the best books you can read on this topic, other than mine, (laughs) is uh, I love Bob Berg's The Go-Giver. It just talks about having a mindset of helping other people. And when you have that, when you have a mindset of helping other influential people that you authentically respect and admire, you know, you really will end up building a lot of relationship capital that will really serve you in the long run. What about getting a hold of these influencers in the first place? You brought up kind of a good point earlier, which is, hey, if you see them speaking and you can always reach out to them in social media, but what about people who surround themselves with several circles of aides and assistants and things like that? Because I'll tell you right now, look, I'm a radio show host uh, with a podcast, but even I still have a couple of layers and I try to be accessible. I still have a couple of layers for people that actually want something. And the more influential people get, I mean, try calling Richard Branson's office and see how far you get. (laughs) There might be a reply forthcoming, but it'll probably be short and possibly scripted. How do we get past or need we get past these gatekeepers when we're trying to meet people who are influencers? Well, you know, the first is you got to understand why the gatekeepers are there. Because influential people have a lot of people who want something from them, right? You know, the average influential person, even at a mid-level influencer, someone whose reach might only be 100,000 people or 150,000 people, they would probably get four to 500 requests to go for coffee a month. And people tend to heave a lot of guilt on you when you say no, right? And they don't have time to deal with that. So the gatekeepers are there to screen out the people who just want something. Can I send him a product sample? Will he go for lunch? Will he go for coffee? Will he speak for free at my event, right? So there's a lot of requests that are really take requests that people bring to influencers. The gatekeepers are there to stop those. So when you want to build some relationship with an influencer, whether you're meeting them in person at an event or whether you're talking to the receptionist on the phone, the way through the gatekeeper is to demonstrate that you're offering something of value to the influencer. And influencers value little more than they value influence. They value their time a lot too, but influence is actually the currency that influential people deal in. Right. So when you offer something that will give them more influence, they will pay attention. And that's how you get past the gatekeepers and start getting their time. Right. So, you know, the reality is you might not have the ability to have enough influence to offer someone if they're highly influential. You know, if you're doing an event with only 20 people attending and you're trying to get Richard Branson, there's too big of a disconnect there. But, you know, Richard Branson or Oprah Winfrey, they're like Mount Everest, right? You don't start building your influence muscle by climbing Mount Everest. You start with smaller hills and you build relationship with those people and then you work your way up. Right. So this is a dig your well before you need it type situation. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do we focus on which influencers in the first place to even go after? Because I've noticed a lot of young and new entrepreneurs or even people who work for companies, a lot of times, not only do they make the mistake of maybe shooting for the top, but they won't really know where to focus. And I've seen this a lot, both with people who own small businesses and in people within organizations. It's like, if you work for Procter & Gamble, you don't need to necessarily try to shoot for the C-level executives or the boardroom to get ahead in that organization. It might not even be productive at all just because they are so distant and they are so busy. So how do we make a list or how do we select the people that we want to build relationships with in the first place? And to use the small business example, I see a lot of folks who are maybe 
selling nutrition products, and they reach out to a really wide net. And at one level, I think that's great because you should know, quote unquote, everybody. It helps you build the value of your network so that you can introduce those people to other folks in your Rolodex. But I also think that there's just a reality that says you can't know everyone and some people will be more valuable inside your network than others. And we should probably focus on that. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. You know, there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of influential people on this planet, right? So you don't need to play with them all. It really is a very heart-based decision, right? How does it feel to you? And the minute you're kind of saying, well, I sort of like this person, but I don't agree with everything they say, or I kind of like them here, but not there. You know, you don't need to pursue those people. There are lots of people that you are like, wow, I love everything they say. I think they're so awesome. Those are the people you want to reach out and connect with, right? So start with the influential people you already know. And you all know someone influential. And when you build relationship with them, once they see that you know the rule book, the etiquette, you know, they'll start connecting you with other influential people. The thing is, the minute you're weird with someone influential, they don't want to connect you into their network. Because if you're weird with them, you're going to be weird with whoever they connect you with, right? Yeah. So when they see that you know not to make a premature ask, when you don't heave guilt if they're not willing to go for coffee, when you demonstrate that you know those basic etiquette principles, then they're happy to connect you with other people who can help you because that's part of how they became influential is that they connect people, right? You know, one of the reasons I wrote my book was that I wanted good people to understand the basic etiquette and principles of negotiating and dealing with influential people because so many people don't understand the etiquette of it. Yeah. Where do we even start with that? I mean, is there a certain number of quote unquote rungs up the ladder? Do we make a list of people in our industry that we think are going to be helpful or do we just start slowly chipping away at the rock, so to speak? So, you know, you want to bake the apple pie or, or go buy the bottle of wine that you would take to the neighbor, right? You need to have some form of personal influence that you're using to gift out to other influential people. Maybe you write a blog. Maybe you start hosting an awesome podcast. Maybe you uh, start a networking group or something that has a local stage associated with it. Maybe you start a webinar or a telesummit series. But build some influence of your own. That's the equivalent of your apple pie that you would give to the new neighbor because then you've got something to offer in hand as you start meeting influential people. When you start doing that, influential people, trust me, they're going to start uh, becoming aware of you and wanting to meet. It won't be hard to figure out how to develop that list. Right. That makes sense. This is what we call in social capital, we call this building a platform. And it can start off as you have a dinner party with people who are local to your town that are maybe, I don't know, single or that own their own business or that work for similar companies in a similar industry or have nothing directly in common other than they're interesting people who probably are new to town or something like that. And you can create that platform literally just doing the dinner party thing or you can do what we did at AOC, start a podcast, create a large platform that way, have a blog that people read in the industry. And we've even had examples that we've talked about on the show where somebody who's an expert in some sort of, I think one of the people who listens to AOC was like a petroleum industry person, and she just knew a lot about how the oil industry was intersecting with the green energy sector. Started a blog about it, it was internal, sent it out to a lot of her people inside the company, then started making that public, and she ended up trading up her job 
where she was essentially some sort of admin support person for a, like a sales development rep and is now kind of the go-to person for green energy plus oil, at least in her little niche. And it's a little more complicated than that, but for sake of the example, it's pretty incredible because she literally just started sending out a company-wide newsletter that turned into a blog, which is now probably the only blog on the subject, and everybody in that niche reads it. Yeah, it's interesting. Influence is a credential unto itself. And it was interesting. It was actually on uh, Alex Mendozian's show earlier today. Of course, uh, if you haven't heard of Alex Mendozian, he's one of the biggest marketers in the online marketing space. Super nice guy, really authentic and highly influential. But he says to me, Teresa, what's your credential? What gives you the right to teach influence? And I said, you know, I can tell you a bunch of credentials, but the reality is what gives me the right is that I do. It's funny because I could have credentials coming out the yin-yang, but walk out on stage in front of a thousand people. That audience does not need to know a single credential I have. The mere fact that I'm standing on a stage in front of a thousand people is credential unto itself, right? I mean, that's such a great example. Build a newsletter that everyone reads, build a blog that everyone follows. You don't need a single other credential to be influential. Your blog becomes your credential. Well, excellent. Thank you so much for this. I know your time is precious, so we'll wrap with that and definitely really appreciate your wisdom and your experience here as well. Oh, it's just been a joy. Thank you so much. I love what you guys are up to. It sounds awesome. Thank you. All right, Teresa. Bye-bye. Take care. Interesting stuff. There's some stuff here that's novel. There's some stuff here we've talked about before, but the important thing is, I think a lot of people go, oh, I've heard some of this before. When you find multiple people, and I mean half a dozen plus, talking about similar concepts and they're also equally successful or equally successful in, in their own right, it becomes really hard to ignore the advice. And I think that's the key here. The mistakes are very similar to the things that you've done or that I've done. The ways to get around gatekeepers are very similar to what we teach in social capital. The way that influencers think mirrors what other guests have said on the show. She's also really made this concise and really actionable, so I really do appreciate her expertise here. And I think there's something here that we can't ignore, even if you're thinking, oh, I already know all this stuff. It's good to make sure that you really do understand this at an intuitive level, and not just that level where you go, well, I already know this, tell me something new, right? Because it's really easy to say, I know this or I do this, it's harder to say which of these points do I not do fully? Which of these concepts have I maybe thought I've heard before but haven't quite internalized yet? And I think that's some of the major value here in this episode. And if you enjoyed this, don't forget to thank Teresa on Twitter. We'll have that in the show notes as well as her resources mentioned on the show. You can tap the album art in most mobile podcast players to see the show notes right on your phone. I'm also on Twitter at The Art of Charm. And go to the show notes for a free copy of her book, Mass Influence, which is 165 pages, legit. More detail on what we talked about today. You can also find all of our episode sponsors in the show notes or go to theartofcharm.com slash advertisers. That's kind of a standing page with all of our sponsors. Bootcamp details at theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp. Review us in iTunes, iPhone and Android apps available. Special thanks to both the Jasons, one of which is a photographer, and to Fogarty for their help in production of The Art of Charm. Now go ahead and tell your friends, because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else, either in person or shared on the web. <laughs> now have a great week and leave everything and everyone better than you have found them. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. 
Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and more at theartofcharmpodcast.com.